Welcome to the Broadcast Sport podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton. I'm the Editorial Director of Broadcast Sport. This podcast series brings you exclusive interviews with sports content makers. In this episode of the Broadcast Sport podcast, we're bringing you a recording of one of the fantastic speaker sessions from a sold-out Broadcast Sport summit held at Lord's Cricket Ground on 1st of November 2023. CLGP, you know, our uh, global sailing uh, racing competition, we have uh, 13 events this year in Season 4, which is an ambition growth, ambitious growth from where we started in 2018. And obviously, due to COVID and the pandemic, uh, it's been a lot of restructuring on the format. But more and more, we have 10 teams at the start line, um, you know, 13 s- different cities around the world. So more and more, it's getting to a place, and we're just going to continue growing. And we'll find out a little bit more about CellGP and find out some of the highs and lows of uh, since you've launched shortly. We'll also see a video from each of you. Um, but first, um, Ali, can you uh, say who you are and what you do, please? Um, yeah, good afternoon, everyone, and, and thank you for attending the graveyard slot. So um, all of you deserve a pat on the back for that. But um, I'm Ali Russell. I'm uh, the managing director of um, Extreme E. Uh, for those of you that don't know it, we started three years ago, so in the middle of the pandemic. And we started with a purpose, and our purpose was to tackle climate change, but tackle it through sport. So um, an incredible project to be working on. I'm, I'm a co-founder as well of Formerly, so I wasn't new, um, I suppose, to the, uh, the whole motorsport industry. But it's been great to have the opportunity to grow and develop a sport and grow and develop a sport that has purpose so, so close to it. So it's electric uh, racing. Um, it's driven by men and women, which is, um, um, well, I don't think it's that amazing, but in motorsport, it is absolutely amazing. Um, and we race all over the world. So we race in the Arctic Circle. We race in the coasts of Africa. And what we try to do is we pick locations that have been decimated by climate change. That's the melting of the ice caps, melting glaciers, desertification, deforestation, and rising sea levels. And what that allows us to do is to show what's going on to an audience that maybe are a hard-to-reach audience, and then talk to them about technology, technology solutions, electric vehicles, and, and developing it, it forward. And the fact is we're a media product, so we're media first. We very rarely have lots of fans because of the locations we go to. Um, and our approach to sport is trying to minimize our, our carbon footprint. So very, very small teams. Uh, we go everywhere using a ship called the St. Helena. And uh, I think we've got a, a very unique, interesting proposition that I'm hoping will be your guilty pleasure when you get home tonight. So thank you. Fantastic. And uh, a guilty pleasure to come is uh, Ria's E1 World Championship. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, My name is Ria and I'm the marketing manager at the UIM E1 World Championship. Um, We're about to get started on the 2nd and 3rd of February um, in Jeddah. And it is uh, World's First Electric Raceboat Championship. So designed by Sophie Horn, who is a female designer and designed our innovative electric hydrofoil race bird and founded by Alejandro Agag, the same founder as Extremi, and with CEO Roddy Basso, previously at NASA and Red Bull Formula One and McLaren. Um, and the idea is we have host suite of race birds and we'll race in the Middle East and Europe in season one, with season two extending to America um, and kind of Asia, but due to sustainability reasons, um, shipping will have to stick to certain 
territories in season one. Um, it will be a live race event in urban environments, inshore racing um, with fans close, close to the action. Um, you can watch live at the event and also obviously on broadcast and social media. Um, we have a whole suite of team owners, celebrity team owners, ranging from Didier Drogba, Rafa Nadal, Checo Perez, Virat Kohli, um, and many more to come. Um, so that's one of a very interesting element and dynamic to our championship. Um, and yeah, we also have a doc docu series called Inside E1. So if any of you want to wet, wet your appetite before we start, please do go and check it out on YouTube. Thank you. Excellent. And Laura, your production partner, aren't you, to, in fact, uh, all of these? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was out in uh, Jeddah with Ria's E1 team last week with a behind-the-scenes test, uh, Noah Recchi, and then we were in Italy two weeks before that doing a behind-the-scenes test, seeing multiple boats on the water, and that's what we do. We basically create a world aurora for all of these sports to inhabit. We create the sporting format alongside the client, listening to what their hopes and dreams are, and then turn it into a television format. We create a guidebook. If we're entering in this world, we create the guidebook for the visitor. So we create the sporting format. We create the signposts, the graphics that help people navigate. We create augmented reality, virtual reality that help people navigate. And then we create VTs that explain. So we create the guidebook, the signposts, the formats, and then we give you a guide. We recruit, we recruit the uh, commentary team, the presenters, the experts, and that's the broadcast signature we put on it. That's the development stage then we open the doors to the visitors, welcome them in through broadcast, through streaming, through social media, text and imagery, and that's when our work starts, that really starts. It's up to us then to awaken the senses. We have to create captivating, stimulating content to draw people in. We have to be hourly, visually, emotionally telling a story, and that's what I'm gonna be saying throughout the whole of this next half an hour. It's all about the story, all about the story. It's all about the story. We have to just keep telling the story. Brilliant. Right, we're going to see some clips next of the different sports. And then I want each of you to tell me a little bit about the sort of key moments uh, for your sport today. And obviously, you know, only three years down the line, yet to launch. And CellGP, how long has CellGP been going for now? Uh, it was launched in 2018. Right. Um, but really, the progression came after the pandemic in 2021. 2022 and now 2023 with you know season two in 2021 22 uh season three uh and now we're in season four heading into next year 24. maybe you could tell us a little bit about your key moments and how things have changed from 2018 to now with yeah so i i think uh what really you know i think the foundational key moment is Larry Ellison deciding to take on this venture, and he's our ch main chairperson and main founder, and really, as you know, bluntly put it, the money, right? So Larry uh, had this idea, bold idea, to really bring sailing to the masses, right? He really wanted to sort of change that world upside down. He had an idea. He partnered with our CEO Russell Coots, who's a legend in the sport, and you know, from the founding, I think that was a foundational moment because it really. Uh, some may disagree, especially those with sailing backgrounds, whether it's good or bad, but you know, they really wanted to sort of just bring a casual 
day-to-day, week-after-week you know, sailing competition. But I think from that, they really then just really wanted to push it forward and make it sustainable at the end of the day. So in the last few years, we've gone from Larry being the main founder to now being more behind the scenes and having more investment, more private teams, and just see the growth and really the commercial viability of the sport. And more and more as the years progressing and the months and, and races add up, more and more we're seeing the success in what we're trying to do. And I mentioned to you backstage that we really are going from not only just being about sailing, right? We're called SailGP, but we're really trying to push a racing product, right? Racing first, and I think all of you would agree that it's all about the racing because the racing is really what we want to bring audiences for, right? Like whether it's on a boat or whether it's on a bike, right? Racing is easy to sort of understand. And that's what we're trying to get to. Um, you know, forget the sailboats, forget you know the sort of the medium, but it's more about, hey, like here's a racing product, here's something f- that you can really consume and have fun, and ultimately take in the action and the thrill of it. How fast do these boats go? Uh, so they are close to 100 kilometers per hour. Uh, we are actively testing, you know, new technologies uh, with our F50 catamarans to break that barrier. Um, and yeah, once we do, I think we'll take it to the next level. We've had F1 pilots on our boats, uh, Max Verstappen last year in Checo Paris that were both really nervous uh, being on the boat and uh, the clips are up on YouTube and we probably should have put that clip on here uh, just to see their faces where, you know, they think it's easy and obviously they drive you know, high performance vehicles week in and week out and they were way more nervous than we all expected. So. Um, the speed at, at current time is up there, and I think as technology improves, it'll only get faster. Excellent. That's good. Um, I noticed all the graphics on there. That really stands out. And obviously the close proximity of each of the, the catamarans as well. So, yeah, is that graphics trying to get across quite complicated uh, you know, stuff to non-sailors? Yeah, and really, again, the assess- accessibility of the sport is what, from day one, they've wanted to push our liveline technology that is the augmented graphics is a key part of our sport that is unlike anything else that had existed before in the sport. And more and more, uh, you know, you're seeing it in other racing competitions trying to replicate that technology. Um, but the close to shore action also is a big part of it. So being able to bring fans to the environment, take it in, and really, though, finding the balance of high premium because, you know, traditionally sailing has been a high premium you know, experience, but we really, I was just in Spain where uh, we had obviously the high premium area, but along the whole coastline, you just had families and, you know, people that just showed up for free just to take it in. And I think that's the experience that we want to take, whether you're paying or not, just being able to take it in close and sort of experience it um, and just take the sport in. Uh, But that video, uh, just have to comment that that ran as part of our, we are, CLGP, we are, uh, racing campaign and that specific video ran in Piccadilly Circus at the end of August. Um, it really kickstarted a, a new sort of global marketing effort from us to again shift that notion of just us being about sailing and really being in focus on the racing product. Fantastic. We'll come back to <clears throat> how you can get to see this and the difference or rights deals you've done after we've gone through the other sports as well. And I should also just uh, remind everyone that if you want to ask a question to our panelists, you can do so through Slido and choosing the plenary stage. Um, Ali, so we may well be able to show a video very soon of uh, Extreme but since your three years, um, yeah, how, how have you sort of adapted from the very start through to now? 
It's it's a it's really interesting question, and I, I, I agree. I, I think the racing product is at the core of everything we do, um, and I think that'll be the same for for all three of us. You know, we are a sport, and the most important thing is for the sport to connect with the big audience. So. We look at racing and it's got over a billion people across the, the, the planet that have an active interest, um, but it's an aging male population who's quite wealthy. So we started with the premise of um, learning, funnily enough, from cricket. So I don't know if we've got anyone from cricket here, but we kind of looked at this um, old English-based um, sport that's obviously a global sport now, but you know we're, we're at the, the home of cricket, so I feel quite good saying this. Um, and we looked at 2020 and we thought, uh, there's a sport that... Um, you know, had an older demographic um, and it's gone short form and had a huge amount of success. So what we've done is we've, instead of being an hour and a half, two hours worth of uh, racing, we've cut down, and we'll come on to this later, but we've cut down to, to tackle the Snapchat generation, you know, the generation that want to consume things in a multitude of different ways. And we just felt the marketplace is going there. We're, we're trying to develop um, the proposition so it can be consumed um, in a variety of different ways. But short form was the way to do it. We've gamified it. So um, we've got something called grid play where you vote for your favorite drivers. And those drivers actually get the opportunity to pick their grid spots. Um, so we, we've got a, a, an element of fan voting, um, like uh, I suppose you would see in in pop idol or, or um, X Factor, and we've brought that into sports. We've tried to create a different dynamics, and I, and I think what's been great about that is that we've attracted a far younger audience. So we haven't alienated the, the older male audience from, from motorsport, but we've actually brought in a new audience. And funnily enough, we've attracted a far bigger female audience, and that was our goal and our objective. Um, each team has one car, two drivers, one is a male, one is a female, they both must drive. So it's very like Wimbledon and mixed doubles uh, as, a, as a concept. Super simple, but it's made a massive difference because um, you know, when we were at Formula E, we gave a lot of female drivers the opportunity, but unfortunately, you don't have a huge number of females getting involved in motorsport. And so when you get to the upper ends of the sports, you don't have the quality. And this format you know, avoids any of those comparisons, and it means that you have a, a winner that is a, a male and a female on the top of the podium and at the bottom of the podium. So it works. It creates a lot of jeopardy. Um, it gives our production partner uh, a real opportunity to create strong storylines. And actually, it's just a nicer place to work, you know, men and women. It's, it's, it's normal. Um, but in motorsport, unfortunately, it hasn't existed until now. Um, and I think that's been the success of, of, of where we've gone, and, and hopefully you'll see a wee bit of it now. So yeah, that, that, that's our new venture. So Extreme E is going hydrogen, and hopefully you're first to hear it here. Amazing. So is that that's going to be the next iteration, essentially, for you? Yeah, I think of it as generation two. Um, we, we think, you know, we're not turning our back on electrification, and we, we really believe in electrification. Um, but we feel there's parts of the world where there isn't the grid networks, um, that there needs to be other solutions. So it's not saying there's a silver bullet to sustainable transportation. It's saying there's going to be a lot of different solutions. And uh, we think hydrogen, and specifically green hydrogen, is an, an exceptional way to um, you know, create mobility. And, and the interesting point about motor racing is that motor racing has been central to a lot of the cars we drive today. So whether it's traction control, whether it's fuel injection, whether it's seat belts, wing mirrors, all have come through racing. And so we're 
focusing on electrification and hydrogen development in the new cars um, so that we help the industry to evolve and adapt. And they, they talk about 10 years of R&D being one year of racing. So it's really, really exciting from a manufacturer's point of view to get involved in this program. Brilliant. And, and how long does each race last for? So the races are between 10 and 15 minutes long. It right. depends on the tracks we go to. We don't have a standard layout. We, we get to a location. We work with Aurora. We try to tell stories. We try to create jeopardy, jumps, cliffs. Um, you should see the things these things go over. Mm. And, and I suppose the difference to traditional um, off-road sport is that they're multi-car. So it's not man against a clock. It's a man and a woman against another man and a woman. Mm. And, and that's what makes it quite interesting. Is there is real jeopardy. And these are parts of the world that you would just, I mean, I've never been to Greenland. It was, you know, incredible to be able to race in a place like Greenland. And because we're not relying on people buying tickets, um, and it's, it's primarily a, a, a media product, what it allows us to do is to, to drive in some of these locations, which are epic. You would only see them on a David Attenborough uh, documentary. And just to, to avoid any sort of comparisons, we don't drive on, on the ice shelf. We drive in the area that, that has been left, the, the, the sludgy area that's been left behind when the ice shelf melts away. And we've been able to get these sports stars like Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button and Nico Rosberg and McLaren and Ganassi and Andretti, these teams and these drivers to stand on the ice shelf and experience how quickly this is melting and, 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 and how... Um, challenging the, the, the sort of current plight and situation is for, for, for the human race. Um, planet will be fine. Human race is in, in a wee bit of trouble. And you obviously that's, that's an essential part of your messaging. It's not just about the sport. It's about the awareness of, the, of that side, the sustainability side each time. Yeah, and, and I think it's been great because we've been able to give Aurora, um, you know, these epic locations um, and these storytelling. So in each location, we, we have a legacy project. So that's either a social project um, where we're dealing with education in schools or wildlife prevention or rewilding or, or, or yeah, you know, we, we planted over a million mangroves on the coast of Senegal. We've worked with UNICEF um, to uh, create a curriculum and sustainability and and telling kids in Greenland what can they do about it? You know, what are their options to have a voice? So, you know, there is a really good feel-good aspect uh, of our sport. First of all, we're racing and we're sports, but we try to back it up with um, reality and, and doing something about it. It's about action and it's about compelling people to have a, a, a role to play in, in climate change. Lovely. And E1, it's a, essentially a... And you've got Formula E, Extreme E, and this is the third, isn't it, from that group of, yeah. That's right. It's, it's electric racing on water. So it's racing in urban environments, local crowds, different distribution methods. And essentially, we have two, two pilots, one female, one male. And I think similar to what Ali, Ali said, it's u utilizing racing as a platform to electrify the marine industry. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of work that's been done, you know, with the, the electric revolution on land. Um, but E1's here to accelerate the electric revolution on water. Um, so just to try and, try, and, try and speed up that work. And we've seen a whole host of really interesting um, innovation and kind of interest in this, in this space. Mercury Racing are one of our, te are one of our um, technical partners based out in the, in the States and for them. It's one of their first ever kind of electrical components 
Chrysler, Chrysler batteries equally. It's one, of, it's one of their first electric batteries on water, which is one of our frequently asked questions um, on social media, which is what happens if the battery kind of leaks or kind of explodes, which it won't, don't worry. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hugely interesting in, in kind of excelling and advancing the electrification of the marine industry. Um, and also, it's kind of, E1 sits in a very interesting space. Um, it's, it's different to power boating, and it's not, quite, it's not quite motorsport, and it actually has its heritage, judging by our kind of founders, in motorsport. Um, and power boating is kind of a little bit of a grey area when it comes to younger demographics, and it doesn't really appeal to kind of many younger younger fans so it's interesting having all of these team owners and these team announcements that we've done and seeing that seeing the different interests that we've had across different fan fan bases we've got cricketing fan bases from Coley's audience we've had Didier Drogba's fan base from the kind of footballing audience so it's really interesting and to be honest as a as a marketer it's going to be extremely fun to experiment and see you know and showcase our local water stories and showcase our host cities but equally you know find a kind of audience and we're already growing and developing that audience but once we get to kind of racing it'll be really interesting to advance that and um, segment our audience so and it's yeah. interesting you're growing this audience without having done a race yet with this inside e1 uh, documentary series as well. Is that something that you worked with Aurora to sort out? So we've been working closely with Aurora and um, Curveball Digital to, to develop our YouTube series and then we, we've been working with Aurora to bring our sporting proposition to life. So over the past few months, as, um, as Laura mentioned, we, um, we had a test site at Lake Majore and also Jeddah. So we've been adding multiple layers onto our production testing. So we've had multiple drones that we've, been, that we've been kind of testing. And we're investing heavily into our content production. So whether it's kind of lots of onboard cameras, agile cameras that kind of follow the, the boat around and kind of multiple drones. So each, each journey that we've had has kind of added layers on, onto this content production. And I think that's, that's another interesting point, is that we have an entirely new audiences, and an audiences that you know, might not have ever considered power boating to be a sport. You know? So for them to watch E1, we need to make sure, and, and utilizing partners like Aurora, that we can bring this to life. So similar to you know, ex Extreme, we're gonna have 10 to, 10 to 15 minute short form racing formats. Um, and we'll have AR and VR graphics that Aurora are currently working on and utilizing their skill um, and kind of talent that, that they have in bringing, say, LGP and um, Extremely graphics to life. So we need to illustrate that, explain, and then get people on board. Do you want to add anything to that, though? Yeah, so it comes back to the story. So just to pick up on something Abner said, it's not all about the racing for us. It's about the story around the racing as well. So that's what we look to develop. We need to develop personality. And it can be the personality of the individual or the boat. So these are E1 boats, they look incredible. When they come up out of the water on their foils, if they're head on to you, they look like a big hammerhead shark coming towards you. They're amazing. And if they're sideways, they're sleek. And they just look really... Uh, eye-catching you you have to look at them so we're building that personality we've also got we're having an argument about it because they're called smart marks so the course is mapped out by smart marks they're gps locations and they're all programmed and all these little 
they're not little boys, they're three metres high. They're like witches' hats, all different colours. And they all pootle out on their own to their space in the water. And, and the first time you see it, it's like, what is going on? So I call them clever boys. I'm not allowed to call them clever boys, but they are clever. And that's part of the storytelling now. So we didn't know we had clever boys to tell a story about, but now we have them. And they have this personality of their own. So you've got these really fantastically beautiful-looking craft and these smart marks that are all really colourful. So you've already got a stage to build on. And we didn't know that before we went on a site visit. We didn't know it before we went to Lake Majore for a test. So that's where we really come into our own as storytellers and developers because we see things and we evolve. We don't start with something and then say, right, it has to stay like this. We create the broadcast signature with that development process and then we continually evolve it. And we use different techniques to, to engage these people, to bring them in this world I talked about that we create. So you've mentioned the Ali you've mentioned the gaming side the fact that we have a lot of graphics you know we have a graphics in development and and they all layer in a with a gaming influence so you 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 this sensory overload approach this is one technique sensory overload don't let anyone look away for a second because something's going to change layers of graphics on the screen, fast cut cameras, agile cameras that are telling the story from the water, like the boats looking at the boats, you're in the cockpit looking out and you can see the boat going past, you can feel the movement in the, in the, from the boat inside the boat, like you are the pilot, it, it, they're amazing full on sensory overload, we're looking at where we put microphones in the boat so you're immersed that's one technique. Second technique is making them care. You make people care, so you care about the competitor, you care about the result. That's in your race world. But then in Ali's world of XE, you care about the environment. So you've got a sporting platform that is, you, is you being used to share an environmental story. And that's rare. And the broadcast signature then of XE is sustainability and epic. Oh, and by the way, our graphics are inspired by NASA. How cool are they? Like, you know, so there's all these stories where you don't even know there are stories. There are stories around the graphics and how they were born. And then the third way to bring people into this, another technique to bring people into this world is the digital. Let people have a voice. Like, you want to know how to reach a global audience. Let them be influential. So you do that. You've talked about your grid play, Ali. They can be influencing the outcome. They can have a say. But more than that, all this information we're giving them, all the data and the insight we're giving them, it's allowing them to become an expert. And we know now that everyone wants to be an influencer. Everyone wants to know more than somebody else. So we're facilitating that. We're facilitating these young fans, these new fans, to become the expert. And then they can carry the word for us. We've, um, we've got no time, so um, unfortunately... But I want to see some E1 before we uh, wrap up. So can we play the E1 clip, please? Yes, we have a thumbs up. Wow. And so when, when we, when's that starting? The 2nd and 3rd of February 2024. Fantastic. All right, we have to stop there, sadly. But can we have a round of applause for our great panel?
Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe, and we'll see you soon for the next episode.